you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to By the Book. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 105. Glad you're listening. We've been talking about the faith, and we have been examining the essentials of the faith, and we're going to continue with that in this episode. But I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Here's what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He said, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. I want to tell you that's a good challenge. Examine yourself whether ye be in what? The faith. What is the faith? We've talked about it. It's the body of truth that defines Christianity. And the Corinthian church had a whole lot of problems. I heard uh, one of my Bible college professors so many years ago said that if he was called to pastor a church, the first thing he would do would be to preach through First and Second Corinthians, because when he was done, he would have dealt with every problem that could possibly show up in the church. Well, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but his point was that in the letters to the church at Corinth, there's a whole lot of problems that are exposed and dealt with, so much so that Paul had to give this challenge to those people. Examine yourself. Test yourself is the idea. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Well, I want to tell you there's a lot of people that need to do that today because there's a lot going on that is called Christianity, but it is lacking. It is lacking in truth. And so uh, I hope you don't have to examine yourself today. I hope you can say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm in the faith. No doubt about it. But if you have any question, you have any doubt, then you need to get that resolved. There's nothing more important than knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're on your way to heaven, knowing that if Jesus Christ would return today, and he might, that you would not be left behind, but you would be taken to be with him. You would meet him in the air. So if you need to examine yourself, if you need to check it out, then I hope you'll do that, and I hope our episode today will assist you in that. The question is, how do I get right with God? That's really the, the question that every person has to wrestle with and has to answer. And in simple terms at this point, I'm going to say, you don't get right with God by going to church. You don't get right with God simply by believing that he exists. I was witnessing to a young lady the other day, and as I started to, to talk and present uh, the gospel, she said, I do believe in a creator. Well, I said, that's good, but that's not enough. You need to know him. You need to be saved. So you don't 
get right with God by saying, well, I believe in him and I believe he is a creator. It's good if you do, but that's not enough. You don't get right with God by baptism. I sometimes tease about my own experience because when uh, I was very young, a baby, uh, my my folks were uh, separated and divorced when I was three, but somewhere in that realm, I got baptized as a young child. Well, then later on, my mom married my stepfather. My stepfather was a Roman Catholic. My mom became a Roman Catholic, and in following her as a fairly young person, my sister and I also became Roman Catholic, which means I got baptized again. Well, then when I was 18, I heard the gospel. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I got saved, and in obedience to the scripture, I got baptized again. Now, the truth is those first two experiences were not real baptism. The term baptized speaks of immersing and dipping, and when you get baptized, it's as a believer that you are immersed in water identifying with the death and burial of the Lord Jesus, and you are brought up out of that water, publicly identifying with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It's a great testimony, has nothing to do with you getting saved. You get saved, as we're going to talk more in this episode, by faith in Jesus Christ. You do not get saved through sacraments or ordinances. One of the things that we were taught as Roman Catholics was that you, you're saved by grace, but you get grace through the sacraments. Well, that's not true. That's not biblical. You'll never get saved in that way. You don't get saved by good living. And we're going to see a little later in this episode, nobody's good anyway, but some people think they are. Now, last time we were in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, as we were closing out that episode, and I want to refer to that, Paul said, for by grace, the grace of God, that's the kindness of God, that's the unmerited favor of God, by grace are you saved, that means to be rescued, people need to be rescued, we're on our way to hell, you get saved through faith, by faith. Your faith is your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk more about it. So for by grace are you saved through faith. And that, the term that there refers to salvation. That salvation is not of yourselves. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. It is not of works. No kind of work, religious works, good works, whatever it might be. And the reason that Paul gives for that is lest any man should boast. When you and I get to heaven, I trust you're going to, when we get to heaven, there will be nothing to boast in of what we did to somehow earn our way into heaven. Not, not at all. Nothing to boast. We'll be thrilled we're there. We'll be there by the grace of God, not by anything that we've done. Now, to get saved, I want you to know, you must turn away from everything else you ever hoped in. 
you must reject your religious experience. You must reject your good works. You must reject your baptism. You must reject everything and anything that you ever hoped in. You refuse it all. I've told people, because sometimes people talk about their church, and I say it's not about church. Uh, Put church off to the right somewhere. Put that over there and just forget about it. It's about you and the Lord Jesus Christ and his death for you. And whatever that experience may have been in church, if you were counting on it for salvation, reject it. Reject everything else that you've ever trusted in. You put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. You reject your sinfulness. We're going to see more about that. You acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you deserve to go to hell, and you're going to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to talk more about that as we go on, but let me just quote to you a couple of what we call salvation verses. Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's nothing else that you do. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is the Christ. He died for us, and that was part of the message that was preached that day, but then you'll be saved. You'll be rescued, and you get saved in a moment. It's not over a period of time. It is in a moment when you trust Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, we must be rescued. You know, I I hate to talk about it publicly, but my mom got saved when she was 59, and uh, my stepfather never got saved. Right up to the end of his life, he was rejecting salvation. And I can remember him saying to me one time, I hate that term saved. And I thought, what a tragedy. What a wonderful term. What a glorious term. We're saved, we're delivered, we're rescued by faith in Jesus Christ. He wanted no part of it because he was locked into his uh, Catholicism. But the Bible says you only get saved, and you need to be saved, you only get saved through Jesus Christ. John 14 and verse 6, what a great statement by our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now think about that verse for a moment. The Catholic Church and some other churches would teach that Jesus opened the way to heaven, that somehow he dealt with our original sin but now the way is open, and if we do right, 
If, if our good works outweigh our bad works, if we believe the, the system, the religious system, if you will, then we'll be okay. Well, no, the Lord Jesus didn't open the way. He is the way. He is the door. It's him who saves. He's the one that is the Savior. He said that. I am the way. The truth. There is no other truth about salvation but the truth of Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the life. And of course, the gift of God that we receive when we get saved is the gift of eternal life. It is not temporal life. It is not life that we get until we mess up. It is a quality of life. It is eternal life. Praise the Lord. You can never lose the salvation God gives you. And then the Lord Jesus said in that verse, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And again, the salvation question, how do I get right with God? I am a sinner. I am lost. How do I get right with God? And the Lord Jesus said, listen, you need to get to the Father. That's salvation where you become the Father's child. And the Lord Jesus said, you'll never get there except by me. That's a great truth. That's a marvelous truth. Well, I want to talk a little bit more in in detail about salvation and see some terms that we'll come across. We're not going to answer all the questions. If you want to get to me and say, I, I wish you would answer this question, I would we'll do it in another episode. We won't answer every question. We will not deal with every issue. But the simple truth is you must believe that salvation is by grace through faith. That faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross when he shed his blood. And then as we'll be talking more as another aspect of the essentials of faith, he arose from the dead. We'll catch up with that matter a little later. Here's what I want to do. If you have your Bible, I want you to open to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we're going to work our way through at least a portion of this chapter. But Paul, in verse 9, that's where we're going to start. In verse 9, he says, What then are we, and the we he's talking about are the Jews. They, of course, were the chosen people of God. They still are. They're in rebellion. Someday God will give them a new heart and they as a nation will get saved. But the Jews were pretty high on themselves way back in those days, New Testament days. So Paul says, what then? Are we better than they? Are we Jews better than the Gentiles? He goes on, no, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. That's the beginning of salvation truth. You're a sinner. I am a sinner. We deserve to go to hell. 
God cannot accept us as we are. Sin separates people from God. Sin has separated all mankind from God. So he makes this statement. Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. You are, I am. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. What a statement. It's an important statement because many, many people think that they are righteous. They wouldn't say that they're perfect, but they would think that on the scale of good and bad, right and wrong, they're on the right side, and they are somehow righteous. Paul said no. There's none righteous. You're not righteous. I don't care if you go to church every week. Uh, When I was a Catholic, I knew a lady. She was very faithful to church. She went to Mass every single day. And I know she was counting that as righteousness. Well, there's none righteous. No, Paul said, no, not one. Verse 11. He said, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. People are not seeking after the true and living God. Now, religion is basically the idea of humanity trying to find God. But what religion actually does is religion develops its own God. And so you talk about this religion or that religion or some other religion. They are all serving the God of their own imagination. They have devised God. They have a a God that they are worshiping and serving. But you know what? They're not seeking the true God. No man does. And praise the Lord, if we had time to go to further scriptures Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And a person has to hear the gospel message. And through the gospel message, the spirit of God can work in somebody's heart and mind and bring conviction to them and make them realize they need to be saved. And if you're saved, that's what happened to you. Might have been a personal testimony. Might have been a Sunday school teacher. Might have been a preacher. But somewhere along the line, You heard the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's when you get convicted and you get saved. But nobody's seeking the true God. They're seeking the God of their own design. Verse 12, we're in Romans 3. They are all gone out of the way. All, everybody. They are together become unprofitable. Nobody's valuable to God in their sinful state. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You might think the Apostle Paul is trying to give us a picture here, which he is. It is a picture that includes the Jew and the Gentile, and it boils down to this. Nobody is righteous. Nobody understands the things of God. Nobody is seeking God. 
Everybody has gone out of the way. Nobody is profitable to God, and there is not one person who does good emphasis from Paul. No, not one. That's the sinful condition. People have to find a way to get right with God, and they're in deep, deep trouble because of their sinfulness. Well, we jump over to verse 19, because a lot of people think that you can get right with God by obeying the Ten Commandments, uh, basically the Mosaic Law. So in verse 19, Paul says this, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. A lot of people think, oh, well, if I follow the Ten Commandments, then I'll go to heaven. Well, let me tell you something. Nobody follows the Ten Commandments. Nobody obeys at all. And James said, if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. The law was never given to tell people how to get saved. As a matter of fact, Paul makes it very clear. What the law does for us is to make us guilty before God, to, to help us recognize our guilt. What does, what does the law say? Well, you're not supposed to lie. Well, I lied, and you lied, and people lied. Not supposed to steal. Man, I stole when I was growing up. And, and uh, honor your father and your mother. No, I didn't do that. And not one person can say that they followed the law, even the Ten Commandments, perfectly. Once you fail, you're guilty of all that's the whole purpose of the law. Paul said that's why it was given, that you would become guilty before God. And as soon as you recognize that, you're on your way, hopefully, to salvation. I'm guilty. I'm guilty before God. Verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. No, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be, listen to this term, justified. That means declared righteous. By the deeds of the law, nobody is going to be declared righteous in his sight, in God's sight. Why? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Paul gave that in his own testimony. He said, I didn't know uh, sin very much until uh, the Bible said, thou shalt not lust. And then I realized I do lust. And he said, boy, I was a sinner. Well, when you realize God says you better never tell a lie, you're a sinner. You better never steal. You're a sinner. You better honor your parent. You're a sinner. And you can't be justified by trying to do right because you do wrong. You're lost. The question, how do I get right with God? Verse 21, but now, Paul says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. In other words, it's made known, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Oh, you want to get right with God? You want to be right with God? Well, he said, I'm going to tell you how you get righteousness with God without the law. Verse 22 expresses it this way, even the righteousness of God. You're going to be right with God. God's going to count you righteous. He's not going to count you as a sinner who deserves hell anymore. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith 
of Jesus Christ unto all, for everybody, unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter who you are. The righteousness of God, you can get right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, and that's the only way. Verse 23, for or because all, you and me, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to do what's right. You never will. I want to live a sinless life. You never will. All have sinned, and we keep falling short. Imagine God's standard. God's standard is holiness and perfection, and you and I keep falling short of it. So verse 24 says, being justified. There's our term again, justified, declared righteous. You don't get righteous in God's eyes by what you do. You get righteous in God's eyes by his grace and your faith. So verse 24 says, being justified, being declared righteous freely. It's free. By his grace, there's that word. God's unmerited favor toward you and toward me. God's kindness toward us. We don't deserve it. Through, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, redemption. We said one of the essentials, and that's what we're talking about here, is a redemption through Calvary and then the salvation, us experiencing the salvation by grace through faith. Well, here we get justified freely through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What is that redemption? The term means to purchase. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he shed his blood to purchase you, to pay for your sin, to buy you back to God. Because until you're saved, you belong to the devil and you belong to this world. But you get purchased, you get redeemed through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25 says, Whom, Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. What's that term mean? Propitiation, to satisfy, to satisfy the debt. God has set Jesus Christ forth to be a propitiation. Christ satisfies the debt we owe. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we're talking about. God has set forth the Lord Jesus to be a propitiation, listen, through faith in his blood. If you're going to get saved, you got to get back to the cross. I want to say that again. If you're going to get saved, you got to get back to the cross. You know, there's a lot of teaching today that says this, you get saved by asking Jesus to come into your heart. That's not what the Bible says. Stop telling people that. Stop telling your children that. The Lord comes into us. The Lord indwells us when we get saved 
But you don't get saved by asking him to come into your heart. You get saved by going back and seeing that cross, and you see that blood being shed on that cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get saved. Faith in his blood. Did Jesus Christ pay the price for your sin on that cross? Yes. Is that sufficient? Is that enough for you to get saved if you believe that? Yes. Should you go to a church? Yeah, you ought to go to a church. Go to a good one. Go to one that preaches the Bible. But don't ever think that by going to church, that's going to help you get to heaven. It is not. A lot of churchgoers are going to go to hell. You say, well, I'm trying to live a good life. That'll never save you. And on and on we can go. I've already rehashed that previously, but I want to just say it again. You got to get to the cross to get saved. And when you get there, you're turning away from everything else you ever trusted in. You're turning away from everything else you ever hoped in. And you're putting your faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. And so verse 25 says again, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Next couple of lines are a little difficult. I'm going to try to make them simple. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. What's that mean? Well, you know, God saved people in the Old Testament times before Jesus ever died on the cross. And their faith was in anticipation of the coming Savior. And when they had that faith, the Savior is coming, the Messiah is coming, then God was willing to remit their sins in the light of and the hope of the eventual coming of Christ. That's what that's talking about in verse 25. Verse 26 goes on and says, to declare, I say, at this time, right now, since Christ has come, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, he might be righteous, and the justifier, one who declares others righteous, a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Verses 27 and 28, very quickly, where's boasting then? <laughs> There's no boasting when you're trusting Christ. It is excluded, the verse says. By what law? There is no law to get you saved. Of works? No works can get you saved. Nay, but by the, quote, law of faith. Therefore, Paul says, we conclude that a man is justified. He's declared righteous by faith without the deeds of the law. How do I get right with God? What you believe is important. And getting it right is one of the essentials of faith. It's one of the essentials of Christianity. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith, because if you're trusting anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself and his shed blood, then you are not saved and you need to get saved by faith in him. It's an essential fact of the faith. And too many people are trusting in the wrong thing. Lord bless you till next time.